Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, I deem it a great privilege for me today to be with you in this most beautiful church, not only to offer the Holy Eucharist with you, but also to share with you some information about uh, the many blessings as well as challenges we have in the missions across India, in particular in the mission diocese of Kumbakonam, which is in the southeast state of Madras, India. I'd like to thank your bishop, the director of the Office for the Mission of your Diocese, your pastor, and each of you, for inviting me to make this appeal on behalf of my bishop. Before I proceed, I'd like to share with you a humor. In a town, there were three places of worship. One for the Protestant, and the second one was the Jews, and the third one for the Catholics. And uh, in each of those places, there had a common problem of bats. They were flying all over, and they were making droppings, and it was smelling. And in the time of the pandemic, the pastors thought they should fix this problem. But they couldn't come to a solution, uh, a plan. So they said, we'll devise our own plan and uh, see how far we go and come back a month later to share our success story. A month later, they gathered together and the, and the Protestant minister said, I started shooting at them with a gun. Most of them escaped. I made holes on the roof. That is a side effect. And the rabbi said, I bought an electronic net, caught hold of every one of the bats in my synagogue, drove them away for 500 miles, left them there. But they all came back even before I reached my synagogue. And the Catholic pastor said, guys, listen to my success story. What? A Catholic pastor with a success story? Yes, listen. And they, he said, I also bought an electronic net, caught hold of every bat in my church, but I did something very more small than all of you, he said. I baptized them and confirmed them. None of them came back to the church. <laughs> Dear friends, let me introduce myself. Many have asked me, as I travel across this great nation when I was converted. My family has been Catholic at least for 250 years. My sister is a nun to a man's. We're nuns, they are now with the Lord. It was in fact my grandmother's sister was a nun who had initiated us all to follow Christ more closely. And I have been a priest for 48 years, seven of which I spent in New York, assisting in two parishes while I was doing a doctorate. Now I'm back in India, but I come here to help my bishop raise funds for the missions with these words. I like to remind myself of a valuable piece of advice offered to me by an expert American missionary who asked me many, many years ago, saying, Father Selva, would you like to learn the secret of success in raising funds for the missions? And this is what he told me. He said, the shorter your homily, the greater will be the collection, he said. <laughs> <laughs> Friends, let me invite you 
to reflect on the readings of today. Today we hear one of the most familiar saying of Jesus. It is, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Friends, Jesus said this emphatically to this young man in the gospel in order to make all of us aware that we are capable of so much more than we think. You have no idea what you are capable of. God is constantly trying to open our eyes to the amazing possibilities that he has unfolded in our being. When we have the courage to cooperate with God and pursue our truer self, he lights a fire within, our, within each of us that is so bright and warm that it keeps burning and shining long after our days on this earth have come to an end. Now, these are called holy moments. Now, how do you define a holy moment? A holy moment is a moment when you make yourself completely available to God. You set aside your self-interest, you set aside what you want to do or feel like doing, and for that moment, you do exactly what you sense God is calling you to do. The saints were masterful in taking the ordinary and everyday events of life and turning them into holy moments. Of course, the Lord gave this young man a chance. He was a great guy. The Lord did not deny the statement of this young man. He was observing all the commandment. He told him just one thing is needed for you. And that sort he missed. And we see how saints in the history, for example, Solomon, he was offered by God, anything, ask anything, I'll give it to you. But Solomon said, please give me the wisdom of God. He did not want the kingdom or a throne or riches, no, wisdom. And that's what Mother Teresa too did. She was very smart. In fact, church wants each of us to be as smart as St. Teresa. Today's gospel was the turning point in the life of St. Francis of Assisi. You may know that. When Mother Teresa asked her mother, biological mother, to help for permission, she was uh, shocked. Locked herself in a room for a full day. End of the day, the mother of Teresa comes out and tells her, Mother Agnes, now put your hand 
in the hands of Jesus and walk along with him all your life. What a great advice. And her brother was out of town, was quite shocked too. She called Mother Teresa and said, you shouldn't be doing this to us. You are so talented, so gifted, you have a great future. You are wasting your life. To which Mother said, no, I am trying to follow Christ totally so that by making a sacrifice of all the things, the possessions that are transitory, I'll be able to store up in heaven treasures that will last for heaven. In fact, friends, uh, the concluding verse of the gospel today is, if you dare to believe what Jesus says, he will make you uh, have uh, become uh, uh, all the wealth you lose here, the mother. See, the whole world calls uh, Mother Teresa's mother. She has be become the mother of the whole of humanity, particularly those who are hurting. And Mother Teresa often told her friends and benefactors who came to visit her, God has assigned to each of us something unique and specific task. What you can do, I cannot do. And what I can do, you cannot do either. You cannot be traveling to the 48 different countries in the world where I have the facilities for the AIDS patient, lepers, abandoned, dying. No, you have your family, your own work, office work. But you and the missionaries and the missionaries and you together can do something beautiful for God. And therefore, friends, the mission office sends a missionary every year to gently remind you uh, about, how, about how you can become partners in the mission so that uh, through your uh, prayers today, as well as the financial support, which is a sacrifice you make, even though you are hurting in many ways due to the pandemic, you are inspired by the Holy Spirit today to make a sacrifice so that through your uh, generosity, sacrifice, someone in the missions will find life and hope in their life. Let us see how we can do it. Now, India has 1.3 billion people. One-sixth of the world's population lives in India. 80% are Hindus, 13% Muslim, Christians are just 3%. Due to the immense missionary activities of thousands and thousands of missionaries who came to India from US, Canada, Ireland, Spain, Italy, and uh, Germany, India today has uh, 154 Catholic dioceses, one of which is mine. It was started in 1899 by missionaries from France. Today, my diocese alone has 213,000 Catholics, 289 priests, 610 nuns, 32 seminarians, 94 parishes, and 620 missions. Of these 620, 200 missions do not have a chapel. And with the help you give us today, my bishop hopes to construct a chapel in one of those missions. And you'll be surprised to learn that uh, it costs just uh, $25,000 to construct a chapel large enough to accommodate 200 people and strong enough to last 100 years. Now, one of the blessings we have in the diocese is we abound in vocations to priesthood. But the problem is, while we have a quite a number of young men ready to join the seminary, we don't have the funds to educate them all. It costs just $2,000 a year to sponsor a seminarian. 
Uh, in fact, I myself was supported by two benefactors, one from Quebec, Canada, the second one was from Germany. To this day, I pray for them as I would pray, as I pray for my parents. And in this context, friends, I make a humorous observation saying, if you are interested in signing up for a spiritual insurance policy, that will, <laughs> that will be a great way to do it. You know why? The priests who may educate will be there at the altar praying for you both when you are sick and old as well as when the Lord calls you home. In this context, let me share this. In the last 29 years, I have brought 290 priests from different religious orders and dioceses in India to serve in 26 different dioceses here. Three of them were serving our own diocese. I wish I could educate, we could educate more of these young men so that some of them could be sent over here. Another blessing we have for the past 112 years is we are one of the largest leprosy hospitals in the world. I wonder if you know what leprosy can do to human body. It disfigures you from head to foot. You lose your fingers, your toes, your ears, and there comes a time when you start looking so horrible. That's when your own family wants you out. And yet this hospital welcomes them all. In fact, 95% of the patients in this hospital are non-Christians. You may ask, why waste mission money in treating patients who are not Catholics? Friends, by opening the door to people of any religion, the founding missionaries wanted to send out a powerful message about a heavenly father who loves them tenderly, about his mercy, compassion, that he, he can, loves them without any condition, and that Jesus is a universal savior who can fix not only the problems of their soul, but also the problems of their body, be it as bad or dreadful as that of a Hansen's disease. We also have 16 medical clinics in remote villages staffed by nuns or nurses who give free medication to poor people. We also have 12 orphanages for boys and girls where we, uh, we take care of children who are lost either one or both the parents or whose parents are so poor that uh, they cannot uh, take care of all the children. Friends, let me speak for a minute uh, about the terrible uh, havoc done by the two waves of the pandemic. We lost, uh, in my diocese alone, we lost six priests, 66 nuns, and thousands of parents turning their children to the care of the elderly and sick grandparents. And uh, when the uh, priests and nuns in the diocese travel to these homes to console them, we feel uh, uh, unable to reach out to them in their uh, serious needs. We, are, uh, uh, we feel we render only lip service. We are not able to give them anything concrete. So whatever you give us today by way of uh, financial support, support will go to benefit these people. And uh, let me explain to you uh, the sad situation. Now, 60% of the Catholics belong to the so-called low caste, who were oppressed by the Hindu majority as outcasts. This was happening for centuries, thousands of years. When the missionaries announced to them that they are all equal, they are all brothers and sisters, citizens of heaven, they embraced Christian faith in a big number. But the new constitution of India after independence 
discriminated them uh, based on their religion and denied them the effects of the affirmative action while their siblings who continue to be Hindus will enjoy fabulously great benefits like a free scholarship up to whatever level they want to go into the university. Once they have a degree, they will give them a job and a home. These people are denied and the present government is terribly anti-Christian. They openly challenge them saying, come back home to Hinduism. We will reinstate those benefits for you. You look, your brothers and sisters to enjoy, it will happen to you too. And therefore, many have returned to Hinduism, not because they do not love Christ, but mainly because of survival. In this context, uh, even prior to the pandemic, my diocese felt uh, unable to help them. Now, after the pandemic, you know, uh, we feel the necessity, above all, of providing them means of livelihood. More than that, a space to live. Uh, 30% of my Catholics live in a small hut, which is fit not even for cattle. It is, uh, the roof is made of uh, hay and be leaky all over. When there is a severe rain monsoon and the walls will collapse, killing the occupants. And uh, that's uh, a small room of uh, 10 by 10. That's where they cook, they eat, they sleep. And when it rains terribly, they even bring the cattle, the cow or goats, so that they can save them. So we feel the good Lord uh, wants us to do something there because they have placed, placed the trust in, in Jesus himself, Jesus. And uh, our dream is to provide a thousand homes to them. But I'll be, to be realistic, I'll be more than thankful to God if I'm able to uh, find enough funds to provide even 100 of them. And uh, I would like to draw our attention to the various needs of the diocese. Uh, which are published in the bulletin today, and the entire page is there. Uh, and also, you'll find a flyer uh, on the table, particularly uh, on the table, the corner, where you have a, a fountain, water fountain. I'd like to invite you to take a copy home and uh, prayerfully reflect if you could support uh, the children who are being discriminated by the people. And uh, let me draw your attention to this envelope. May I pass some of you who may be having these envelopes close by to pass it on to others who may need. Uh, there may not be a second collection, I'm told. Uh, there'll be only one collection. You may use this envelope to give your support to my diocese uh, when you, uh, in the first collection itself. And if the Spirit of the Lord moves you to do something more than what you are prepared to do today, you're most welcome to take it home and return it whenever it is possible. And when you write a check, as I was told earlier, please issue a check in favor of St. Patrick's. And uh, some of the ways uh, you can help are listed there for a family uh, to find a house, to provide a cow or for goats or to fix the roof of a poor man or to help a leper or a, help an orphan child. All that is listed. I'll be immensely thankful to your friends if you could uh, come up with uh, something that is tangible to reflect uh, the heart of Christ. Let me conclude my homily here with the words of Mother Teresa. The great role model of a missionary told us priests gathered in a meeting one day if I had been able to do anything great for God or for his people or poor, she continued, 
It is primarily due to the great generosity of the people of the United States. Let me add my own to the words of Mother Teresa. If my missionaries back home are able to continue the mission of Christ so effectively in so many other ways about which I'm not able to speak to you in detail today, it's all due to your great generosity, both on World Mission Sunday and also through Mission Co-op. And therefore, on behalf of a bishop and the people of the diocese, the Lacto Express, a special word of thanks to each of you and assure you that I'll continue to pray for you in all our churches throughout my diocese. Thank you.